So how many of you in your life have had a, a big mountaintop experience? So just, I want to see a show of hands. Have you had a moment in your life, you go, wow, it doesn't get better than that? Okay, only that many. Wow, a couple of you haven't had that moment. I am so sorry. <laughs> have you had a hilltop instead of a mountaintop? <laughs> Perhaps a molehill. The problem is, though, I've met people that have had those big mountaintop experiences, and then they come off the mountaintop, and they start to pretend like the mountaintop didn't exist. Have you ever met people like that? Like, well, it's over now, and that doesn't matter, and, and woe is me. And Have you met that person? There's a couple of people in the text today I want you to meet. That's one of them. Another person that I want you to meet in the text this morning is the person who's impervious to outside influence. In other words, it doesn't matter what God does in their life, they're going to have an opinion. And they're going to hold that opinion no matter what. So um, sometimes that's the same person. Sometimes it's not. So as we read the text today, I, before I get into it, I'm changing this as we go um, I, I'd said in the first service, I've got, this, I've got this sermon, which is a little long. And I've got this sermon, which is a little short. <laughs> Just try. Well, there you have it. I'll stick with this one, then I won't throw that on the bench, too. But, um, but even those, as 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 one of the things that's happening to me, and those of you who know me well, I've been reading a book about reading the scripture and sort of letting it have its way in my life, not presuming to tell it what it should do, but letting it sort of roll through me. And this scripture this morning is still doing that. And so as I come to you this morning, I want to I come and present 1 Kings 19. We'll set the stage. Remember, we're in the third week of Elijah. The, second, the first week... We had Elijah and the widow of Zarephath, and the main point of that sermon was that God can cross any boundary for your rescue. Last week, we had the big showdown between the prophets of Baal and, and, and Elijah, and they wiped out the prophets of Baal, and, and the, the big point of that sermon was is that as people of God, we hobble ourselves when we don't when we don't worship the Lord, but we worship other things in our life, we will either, as Jesus said, nobody can serve two masters. They will either love the one and hate the other or hate the first and love the second. And we hobble ourselves when we add other things to love in. And that was the point last week. So here we are. Elijah has just won the big battle. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. Now, I want you to hear this as, as you hear this. If you, had a, if you had a victory over Ahab and you thought he was the power, here comes the power. Jezebel says, may the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Now, that, that should remind you that Ahab had said he was going to kill Elijah but couldn't find him for quite some time. 
Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba in a town of Judah, and he and his servant left his servant there, and then he went alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. And then he lay down and slept under the broom tree, and while he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was bread baked on hot stones and a jar full of water. And so he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more, for the, or the journey will be too much for you. I want to take a little aside here in this. I said this in the first service. Have you ever had a journey that you knew was too much for you? Let me correct something. You've all had a journey that was too much for you. God made it capable. All the journeys are too much for you. But this is a tough journey. And I want you to hear there's echoes throughout the scriptures. Do you remember Jonah? The story of Jonah is a prophet. And and he was sent to Assyria. But he didn't want to go to Assyria because he didn't want the Assyrians saved. And so he ran from the presence of the Lord. Like that works. Well, Elijah is doing the same thing. Now, before we started the story, Elijah had had a death threat, and he went to the north of uh, Israel and then into Sidon and stayed there. Now he's had a death threat against his life, and he's gone to the south. The victory in the middle of those two things seems not to have made a bunch of difference because he would rather be dead than go on. But but there's a story here in this If we remember the Jonah story, Jonah goes hating the Assyrians, but preaching in 40 days, you'll be destroyed if you don't repent. And then he goes up on the hill to watch God do it and God does it, but God gives him something to sit under on the hot day. And then he gets mad at God for destroying the bush. Elijah is just like that at this moment. He's the reluctant prophet, the reluctant servant of the Lord. Here's how bad it is. Are you ready? And so he got up and he ate and he drank food and gave him that gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai. Do do we ever hear anything of scripture about 40 somethings in the desert? Okay, good. We're right there. To the mountain of God. And there he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I feel like I have to stamp my foot when I read this. Get my lower lip out. I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you and torn down their altars and killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Except it's not true. He's not the only one left. And yes, they had torn down the altars, but didn't God just answer something rather spectacularly around an altar and solve this problem a little bit? That was last week. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord said. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. 
but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. And Elijah heard it and wrapped his cloak around and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And the voice said, why are you here, Elijah? And Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed all your prophets, and I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me. So just like Jezebel, here's the person who is impervious to the, pro- to the input of God. Jezebel says, I don't care whether you killed the 400 prophets of Baal, I'm still taking you out because I'm worshiping the way I want to worship. Now before, I'm sorry, I I keep my bony finger of indignation back in my pocket. Christians kind of get this way in our lives and we start to say, well, see, they're that way. But here's Elijah. If there is anybody in this story who's a servant of God at this point in time, it's Elijah. So can can servants of God be this way? Uh Uh-huh. Here he is. God has whispered to him. Why are you here? I'm in this way. I'm this way. I'm, and he's going, you didn't do it the way I wanted. The big victory didn't, didn't accomplish everything. And now I'm the only one. And God's input is being disregarded. Have you ever met this person in your life? Never. Have you ever, never, ever been this person in your life? Yes. Then the Lord said. First, before I go on, have you has the Lord been very gracious to Elijah in this process when he's got his heart set on one viewpoint? Oh, yeah. He's been actually fairly gracious to Jezebel, too. She's still kicking. She's got a chance. Then the Lord said to him, go back the same way you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Haziel to be king of Aram. Just a little FYI. Aram is not the people of God that we know, but the prophet is anointing a king in another land. Hmm, maybe he's not just interested in his little localized people. Then anoint Jehu grandson of Nimshi, to be king of Israel, and, he, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from the town of Abel-Mehaloah, say that three times fast, to replace you as prophet. To replace you as prophet. Don't let that shot across um, Elijah's bow go. Anyone who escapes Haziel will be killed by Jehu, and those who escape Jehu will be killed by Elisha. Yet I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. And so Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, plowing a field where there were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and walked away. That's a lot of explanation right there. 
And Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah and said, first, let me go kiss my mother and father goodbye, and then I'll be with you. And Elijah replied, go on back, but think about what I've done to you. So Elisha returned to his oxen and slaughtered them and made a sacrifice, and he used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. And he passed around the meat to the townspeople, and they all ate, and then he went to be Elijah's assistant. Let me talk about a couple of things here. The first thing is that there is a biblical sort of cycle going on here, and I want you to recognize the pattern. Moses was called to remove the people from Egypt. Did Moses get into the promised land? Do you remember that story? He had a servant, Joshua, because God's plan wasn't just to take the people out of Egypt. It was to take Egypt out of them. David came onto the scene. King David came onto the scene, and the Philistines are the dominant power in the land. Even though Israel is in the promised land, the Philistines are suzerain or dominant over them, and David removes them. But it's not just God's plan to remove the Philistines, but to build a place of worship. But David wanted to do that. Did he get to do that? Do you remember that story at all? Solomon did it. Elisha wants to rid Israel of false worship places. Elisha, as we're going, will remove false worship from the hearts of the people. John the Baptist calls us to repent and believe or trust in God. Jesus calls us to live life to the full after that repentance. That sometimes the big victory, the, the, the big wow, right? The God came down and consumed the altar and we rid them of the false prophets. That is only the beginning of the turning of God's project. Have you ever wondered why the big moment in your life was not the end of it? Because there's more to your life than just the conversion. I've often had people say, well, you know, you're converted and then you just sort of wait here on earth until you go to heaven and then you're all there. It's all done. As soon as you convert, you believe that's it. No, that's the big moment. It's why God doesn't turn all the people to believe in him stripity so that we can all see them. As soon as they believe, see, they're my people. If you're not stripity, you're not my people. Pretty soon we'll be doing the star upon thars thing from, from Dr. Seuss. Do you remember that story about the, they had the star belly sneeches? They had a star upon thars, and then they, they pointed at the ones that didn't have stars and said, see, we're better than you because we, we have stars and you don't. It's kind of why God doesn't sort of make us all stripity or blue or just pop us out of here. Because we are different. We're different. We're changed. But there's some learning yet to do. Now in the star belly sneeches, a guy comes to town and he makes a machine to put stars upon thars, the ones that don't have stars. And then everybody has stars and the, the former star belly ones get jealous and they have him invent a machine to remove the star from theirs. And they just sort of make a figure eight through the machines until they're all out of money and they're all equal and they don't know who's who. That's kind of life on earth. 
But perhaps you thought for a moment that Elijah had done everything necessary. He'd conquered the prophets of Baal, had he not? When you repented and believed in Jesus, did you think the battle was over? Just beginning. It's really interesting in this storyline. Do you see that it was fire that comes out of heaven that was the big sign in the victory of the prophets of Baal? And up on the mountain, there's fire comes down. But God's not in the fire. You know, fire is not God. Did you know that? It's just part of creation. God's in charge of what creation does. Do you ever think that perhaps there was more to worshiping God than the big show? Right? This is the big show for us. We come Sunday morning and we worship God and we sing and we listen to some guy that's sort of incoherent talk for 25 minutes. (laughs) And then we go home and we go, I wonder what that was about. There's much more to life than that. You come because you need the presence of other believers. You need to know the presence of the Lord. You need to be strengthened. But worship is a lifelong event. The Christian growth process is a lifelong event. He has come that you might have life and have it to the full. So you don't get to live your whole life up on the mountaintop in the great big experience. When When you accepted Jesus and you felt his forgiveness, I mean, there is a mountaintop there. But don't live your life later when you come off the mountaintop as though the mountain never existed. It changes everything. It changes the depth of the valleys. I'll just say this. I said this a little bit in the, f- in the, in the first service. I said it different, and I'm not sure if I got my point across what I was doing. Um, you could ask Marjean. I was struggling this week. Before Christ, I was a severe depression sufferer. This week, I was having one of those doldrums. Did I not say this? Where's Margie's over here? How many times did I say I'd just rather have stayed in bed this week? (laughs) It was almost every day. My doldrum is not nearly what it was without Christ. My low spots are not nearly what they were. And even when I'm in them, the mountain of acceptance and love and all the things that he's taught me still flow through my life, even if I pretend to choose that they didn't exist. Even if I'm having an Elijah pout down in the south moment. None of you have ever had a pout down in the south moment. I don't want to hear it. No. It's okay. You can come talk to me about that if you like some other time. Not right now. I'm just using it as an example. That the big moment, the big battle is part of the battle of the war against, uh, of against you living your life wrongly that God is waging in you. And let me say it this way. This is the better way to say this. this uh, I was having a conversation with uh, a lady um, Friday and we were talking about it and she's And I asked her if she knew what her future was. Do you know what your future is as a Christian? Do you know? What is it? Life with God. On earth as it is in heaven. You remember, we, we said that prayer this morning, right? You know what that means? That God will be in charge and there's not going to be anybody else pretending to be in charge. 
on earth as it is in heaven because nobody else in, on, in heaven pretends to be in charge but God because they know. Your future is in the process of invading your present. Do you know that? That's what character change in the Christian is about, is that you're starting to become right to be in heaven with God, wherever heaven is. If, that, if the scriptures are right, let me say this very clearly. If the scriptures are right, heaven's coming here. And the whole earth will be a holy of holies where God dwells with, amongst his people. Wouldn't it be cool if that, pre- that future is starting in sort of a plate tectonic, earthquake sort of fire coming down, wind r- knocking rocks loose sort of way would start to invade your present and you would start to be changed and different and incredibly different and pretty soon your life wouldn't even have made sense to you five minutes ago. And you'd be down there, and, and then they'd have these big victories, and sometimes you'd say, well, that was all I, that was what I needed, God. Thank you. And he goes, oh, there's so much more coming. You got no idea, but don't pout because it didn't end here. I want you to know that you're quite a big deal to God. You're important to God. Here's my last example, and then we'll, we'll move on into a time of communion this morning. Some of us think, obviously, that we're the main player in this drama that God is working out in redemption history. Do you think when the awards are all given out at the end of, the, at the end of this life that you're perhaps going to get the Oscar for, for best actor in this drama? Do you think that? Maybe best supporting actress? Cinematographer? Screenwriter? How about the assistant to the best grip or the key grip or the third assistant to the fourth director at the second location? This is more likely, but I want you to know that you're important, but God is center stage in this drama where he's bringing you to, and it's not always going to be done the way you want it done. As Elijah wanted it done a certain way, and he wanted it to be over in the first battle, but it wasn't a one-battle sort of thing because it takes a lifetime to change directions. So, so this is it. Perhaps your thorough Ravenscroft of the kingdom of God. And some of you are going, Who, who's that? You all know his voice. Does anybody know who thorough Ravenscroft in here? Not Karen, because she knows. I've got to answer. He's the voice of Tony the Tiger. They're great. He also sang a song in the Christmas movie, movie of my choice, and he was uncredited. He sang, you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch, but uncredited in the storyline. If you watch the thing, he's n- he doesn't appear in any of the credits. Are you willing as a believer in Christ to play a role in somebody's life that's as big as you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch, is to that piece of cinematography and not have any credit given and just let it go? You don't know who he is because he didn't raise a stink. He just let it go. 
he sang lots of stuff. He was amazing. I mean, that's a deep voice, but I, I want that deep voice. Mine just is the foghorn thing that we talked about. Elijah was having a problem giving up control to God and not having it done his way and became impervious to the input of God. In the same way that Moses in the desert was having trouble with God's direction and he struck the rock multiple times when God said once and God said, time out. Who's in charge here? In the same way that Jesus, when he meets John the Baptist, say, says, no, I'll submit here. We need to be changed. Obedient, loving, caring, ready to let God do the deep, hard work of relationship that's going to take a lifetime. And so this morning, as as. As I close up, I want you to think about this. I have this question for you. How will you react when God changes his plans or doesn't adhere to yours? Just something to think about as you leave today. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I ask your blessed hand be upon and in and through each of the lives represented here today and the lives that they're going to touch today and the lives that those lives will touch, that the grace that you spill out on each of them will then spill through them to others. I ask that, that they would accept your kingship and that they would uh, pray the prayer on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Amen.